You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. I need to get into this word. Are y'all ready for the word tonight? Let's go. I'm ready for this word, and it's a deep word, because we like it deep here at New Song Students. So what I need you to do is I need you to do whatever you need to put yourself in a place where you're going to hear the word tonight. Sometimes we just, we don't plan right. We don't get ourselves ready, and then we miss it. So if you need to, if you need to move to a different seat to get this message, it's worth it. I promise you. If you need to like not be in that group text that you're in, or you need to get out your journal, and you need to write... I'm telling you, whatever you need to do, do it. Because guess what? God wants to speak to you tonight. And I know we say that every week, but it happens every week. And if it doesn't happen to you, it's because you weren't ready and you weren't listening. Because God's always speaking. We're just not always listening. So put yourself in the posture to listen tonight, to lean in with me. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is this. It, or sorry, what is it? I almost said it wrong. That's right. That's not fair. The title of my message is That's Not Fair. Write that down, and we're going to jump into this. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Thank you for bringing us back to New Song students, to our family. It's the best day of the week. And I thank you. This is our first service of 2022. What an honor, God. What a privilege it is to have a family to do life with, to grow in our faith with. And I pray that this year would be fruitful. Not that it would be easy for us. Not that it would be everything we exactly wanted it to look like, but it would be fruitful to you. So every single student in this room, every single leader, myself included, I lift us up to you, God. Would you speak tonight? If there's any walls in our heart that would keep us from hearing you, any, any blockers in our ears or in our eyes, God, that would try to blind us from what you're trying to say, would you remove those? Because only you can do that. Remove scales, speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, this is the first message of 2022. This is a big deal, y'all. If y'all are ready for the word, I need you to make a little noise. Make a little noise. Okay, if you've got your Bible with you or your journal or you're just going to follow along with me, we're going to start off the word tonight in John chapter 6, which is probably something you've already read if you've been in the Being Transformed journal. You probably read it a couple days ago. John chapter 6, that's where we're going to start tonight. And what, what we're doing tonight is we're actually kicking off a brand new vision series called Poured Out. Look to your neighbor, say Poured Out. Starting a new series new vision series called Poured Out. And every single year here at New Song Students, we start off the year with a vision series. And we do this on purpose because we want to start the year off everybody under the same goal, everybody under the same purpose, under the same umbrella, because here's what you need to know about vision. Vision is really important. And, uh, wow, you guys are real quiet tonight. Somebody write that down. Say, vision is super important. But you know what? Vision is one of those things. It's like a churchy word. We say it a lot. We throw it around. And sometimes we say it so much it can kind of lose its weight. It can become this vague thing. So let's just define it right now. What am I talking about when I say vision? This is what I'm talking about. Vision 
is the intended direction of our life in words. I'm gonna say that again. Vision is the intended direction of our life in words. So you know the reality is your life is going in a direction. Like you are going some, somewhere with your life, whether you like it or not, whether you have vision or not, your life is going somewhere. The question is, are you going where you want to end up? Are you going where you want to end up? And this is why having vision for your life is so important. In fact, God's word makes it pretty clear that when we don't have vision, it says when people don't have vision, they perish. So for God, vision's kind of a big deal. Like, and the reason why it's a big deal is because when we want to achieve something in life, when we want to go in a certain direction in our life, we never get there by accident. So like, you know, we're starting these Being Transformed journals and we want to get in them every day. Can I tell you, getting in your journal every day, getting in the Word every day is not going to happen on accident. Like you're not going to wake up and just be like, dude, I am reading my journal right now at 6.30 in the morning. This is great. I hope it happens tomorrow. You're not going to accidentally do that. Guess what? Vision got you there. You know, you don't accidentally wind up disobeying your parents. Your vision, your vision or your lack of vision got you there. Are you hearing me? Vision is super important. Um, in fact, we say vision statements all of the time here at New Song Church. You probably know every single one that I'm about to tell you by memory. You could probably say it if I just said the first couple words. Let's just practice. I'm curious if you can recognize any of these vision statements that we say here at New Song. One of them is this. If it matters to you... It matters to God. That's right. That's a vision statement of our house. How about this one? This one's a tricky one. Are you ready? Help people. That's right. Look at you guys. You're so smart. Okay, this one we say at New Song Students a lot. We say this one. Uh, we are a familia. That's right. We're a family. How about this one? Best day of the week. That's right. I got one more for you. This one's a new one, but it's for this year. Practicing the of Jesus. That's right. Practicing the way of Jesus. Okay. All of those vision statements that we have for our church, can I tell you, we don't just say those to say them. Like we say them because that's our vision. We say vision statements because we want to help people know God. We say vision statements because we want people to pray at the altar because if it matters to them, it matters to God. We say these things because you don't just get there by accident. Vision matters. The way we write down vision and make it clear and plain helps us get to the goals that we're trying to get to. And last year, we, we got a word from, New Song, or from God of four New Song students. And that word, our vision last year was in pursuit. Y'all remember in pursuit? Yeah. That was our vision statement last year. If you didn't hear that, that message or the, that series, you can actually go back and listen to it. And I'd, I'd encourage you to, because guess what? We still want to be in pursuit, right? That's still a part of our vision. But last year, that was our vision. And one of the cool things about vision is when you actually make vision in your life plain and you speak it and you say it, you can actually measure it. And what I love is last year, we started the year off saying, this is our vision as New Song students. We are going to be a student ministry in pursuit of God. 
And can I just tell you the coolest thing, being a youth pastor, is setting vision at the beginning of the year, fast forward to the end of the year, look at the same group that you have, and can I just tell you, when I look at you New Song students, I see people in pursuit of God. And you can measure that because we've spoke it. We've said, this is what we want to achieve. Will God do it? And he did that. And so this year, the vision that God has given us as a family, New Song students, is filled up, poured out. Write that down. This is our 2022 vision. Maybe say that with me. Say, filled up, poured out. Filled up, poured out. What in the world am I talking about when I say filled up, poured out? Well, last November, uh, every November around the fall is when I start kind of praying. I start asking God, okay, where are we heading next year? Where do you want to take us in the next year? And just pretty quickly, when I started praying for us, New Song students, I felt this phrase drop into my spirit, just filled up, poured out. And I was like, oh, that's really cool, God. So I've got this whiteboard in my office, and I write down things on there that I don't want to forget, because your boy can forget things sometimes, okay? Let's just be real. So I wrote down, filled up, poured out on my whiteboard, and I just looked at it for a couple weeks, and I thought about it, and I prayed about it. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks, our staff, we went on a staff retreat, and it was amazing. At this staff retreat, pastors Josh and Sarah, they told all of us as a staff, hey, this is where we're heading in 2022. And they told us about practicing the way of Jesus, which is our church's vision. And can I tell you, the second I heard the vision of our church, I knew I heard God. Because here's one of the cool things about God is when he speaks to you, he will always speak to you something that brings unity. And the second I heard practicing the way, I was like, that is in unity with what God spoke to me about. Uh, because, you know, and, and, and if you guys are ever struggling, man, am I, am I hearing God? Is that, me, so, is that me talking or is that God talking? I'm telling you, one of the first things, tests of that is just to say, man, does this bring unity? Does this bring unity? Does it bring unity to God's word? If I'm hearing something that's not already in God's word... I might, not, I might not be hearing God right. Like if, if, if your mom's like, hey, you need to go clean your room, and you're like, yeah, but God's telling me I need to go like walk and pray. It, no, God told you to obey your parents first, right? So it doesn't bring unity to God's word. Are you hearing me? So that's your test. And when I got this picture of filled up, poured out, I got this picture of Jesus. Now think about Jesus for a second with me. The Bible says that Jesus was filled up. It actually says that he had the Holy Spirit without measure. Pretty cool, right? Jesus, he says this all the time. He's like, hey, when you look at me, you see the Father. You see a perfect picture of God. So Jesus was filled up with all of the qualities that God had, right? What are some other things that Jesus was filled up with? He was filled up with grace and truth. So if you were to bump into Jesus, grace and truth would spill out of him, right? Like, he wouldn't just say, oh, dude, you're good. Don't worry about it. Like, no, it's not a big deal. You sin, whatever. He, he would also give you truth, right? He would be like, no, I love you. I don't give you condemnation, but go and sin no more, right? Jesus was filled up with all of these things, and here's something cool about Jesus. And I want you to lean in with me with this. Check this out. Everything that God poured into Jesus, Jesus did not keep to himself. Everything. Everything Jesus had, he did not hold it. Every ounce of it, guess what he did with it? He poured it out. Everything that God gave to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to give to you, and I'm going to give to you, and I'm going to give to you. 
What did he do? He went all in for you and me. Jesus was not stingy. Are you hearing me? Jesus was not stingy. He's not up in heaven hoarding all of the goodness of God to himself. You know, when you go to Jesus, you don't have to beg for the things of God, right? Jesus went all out for you. He already went all out for you. He poured it all out. But here's the thing. Here's something I see in the Christian world. I see this in the church. I see this in me, if I'm not careful. This is what I see. I see people who are really obsessed with the idea of being filled up by God, which is a good thing, right? You know, we sing songs about it. We're like, God, fill me up. Fill this space. We love messages where we talk about God's presence, how when you would just, if you would just reach out to God, whatever space you're in, he would fill that space, right? These are all good things. We love the idea of being filled up, but we stop there. And if we want to be disciples who are practicing the way of Jesus, which means doing, acting, sounding, talking like Jesus, let me just ask you, was Jesus just filled up? No, 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 no. Jesus was filled up and poured out. Somebody say filled up, poured out. And the thing is, we actually live in a world that is obsessed with just being filled up. We're obsessed with just being filled up because guess what? We're empty without Jesus. And so we do, we do everything we can to find anything and everything that's going to fill us to fill the need in our heart so that we can feel full. And just like, you know, Pastor Josh talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Who, got, who was there for the I am the bread of life message that he spoke? It was so good. And the whole purpose of it is Jesus is supposed to be our source. He's supposed to be our main course, our bread. But how many of us just treat Jesus like the sauce, right? So, you know, we need our fill in life. So we get a little bit of Jesus here. We dip a little bit of Jesus in our life. And then we go to our friends for our fill. And we're like, friends, fill me up. I, feel, I don't feel like I'm accepted, so I need friends to fill me up. And then we go to music that we think gives us identity and this, the way we dress. We go to all of these things and we're like, I need these things to be filled up. And we fill ourselves up. And when we get those things... You know what we have to do? We've got to white knuckle them. We've got to squeeze as much nutrients out of those things as we can because we're spiritually, we're emotionally, we're physically empty. Are you hearing me? But I want you to, what I want you to know is everything that you are looking for, Jesus has already been filled up with and he's already poured it out. Everything that you are looking for, New Song students, he's already poured out. And so tonight we are kicking off this vision series poured out, looking at one of the things that Jesus poured out onto all of creation, onto every single person who's willing to take it, and that's this thing called salvation. Somebody say salvation with me. Salvation. salvation. Now, I know we got a lot of saved people in the house, okay? I know we got a lot. You're probably here. You're like, Jackson, dude, I've been saved since I was like seven. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you got a great word to preach, but I think I'm going to check out of this one because, like, I'm already good with Jesus. Like, I'm saved. You know what I mean? There's probably some people in here, you've been saved for a really long time, and you think, oh, I could check out because I know what salvation is. My prayer for you today is that God would restore the joy of your salvation. Because you know what? Let's be real, New Song students. The greatest miracle Jesus could ever do in your life is save you. You know, Jesus does not have to do anything else for you. Wow. Salvation is, is the thing. Like, 
you, you could see some pretty incredible miracles in your lifetime. Like, you, I don't know, you could see somebody raised from the dead in the future. It's still down here compared to what salvation really is. Those things, all of those miracles you might see one day, those are the cherry on top of salvation. But here's the issue. So many of us, we think salvation is at the bottom of the totem pole. We think salvation is like, that's just basic one-on-one stuff. And I'm telling you, the fact that you are saved or will be saved or are going to be saved, that should be something that brings so much pep into your step every single day. But we got Christians who don't realize how good it is to be born again. And this is what I want to preach to you tonight. I want to expand our view because I'm telling you, when you realize what Jesus really did for you, it should change you. It should give you joy every single day when you wake up, when you know, man, there's new mercies for me today that I don't even deserve. Are you hearing me, new song students? So I need to get into John 6, or we're going to be here all night, okay? John 6. This is the passage I want to look at tonight. And this is right after Jesus has just filled thousands of people. You know, he's got that fish finger stand. He's just been filling everybody, feeding people. This is right after that story. And this is directly before He says the I am the bread of life statement, okay? So this is sandwiched right in the middle. Here's what it says. It says in John 6, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So everybody was just fed, and they're like, yo, I want some more of that free bread and fish. So they are seeking Jesus, and look at what happens. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered to them, truly, truly, You know Jesus is about to drop some bombs when he says, truly, truly. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because of you saw signs, but because you ate your fill in loaves. Exposed, (laughs) y'all. Jesus just exposed them. What what is he saying right here? He just said this to them. Hey, you don't even care that I'm the son of God. You just want to follow me because you want bread. You just want me because you're full and you want some more bread. That is what he just told them. And look at this. He says this, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Talking about salvation, which the Son of Man will give you. That's Jesus. He's going to give you salvation. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they, talking about the people who are hungry, who really want some bread right now and some fish fingers, they said, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Okay, I want to go back to our real life series. Who was at our real life series, Spiritual Disciplines? Okay, back in our real life series, specifically on prayer, we talked about something. We said the way that we view prayer is going to determine how we pray. Do you guys remember that? The way we view prayer is going to determine how we pray. So if we have a small view of prayer, are we going to pray a lot? No, because we're not going to think it's a big deal. We're not going to think it does anything. And can I just tell you this idea can be applied to all of the things of God. If we have a small view of something, it's going to determine how we interact with it. And so these people, 
that are chasing after Jesus, Jesus exposes them. He says, hey, your intentions to seek me are too small. You hear me? Jesus is trying to get them to understand, and he's been doing this for a while now. He's trying to get, he's like shaking them. He's like, y'all, you're not getting this. I'm God. And guess what? If you would just believe in me, I'm going to give you bread that will last forever. He's trying to get them to understand, hey, you want physical bread. I've got something so much better that I want to give to you. But they're not getting it, right? Their view is too small. So they're like, yo, have you tried Jesus's fish fingers? They're like, yo, you've got to go check out Jesus. Man, it's so cheap. He gives you so much. He even gives you a piece of bread on the side. It's pretty dope. They're not getting it because their view is too small. Their view of salvation is really narrow. And when our view of salvation is too narrow, something happens. Point number one is this. If our view of salvation is too small, this happens. We think we can earn it. Somebody did not amen me for that. I'm going to say it again. We think we can earn it. You need to write that down. If our view of salvation is too small, then we start to think that salvation is something that we can get to in our own strength. We think it's something that we have to show our work for. You ever been in math class before and your teacher said, show your work? You ever been there before? Isn't that so annoying? Right? Why are they saying show your work? They're saying show your work because they want you to prove if you deserve the thing that you're working towards. And so many of us, we've got a small view of what it means to be saved. We got a small view of salvation because we think we can work and show our work to get the things that God wants to give us. And Jesus is telling them, hey, you're not getting this, dog. I'm God's son. The, literally, the whole reason why I'm here is to just give this to you. If you would just receive it, you don't have to work for it. I want to give it to you. But look at this. Their knee-jerk reaction to Jesus trying to just freely give them salvation is this. Look at this. They said, what must we do? What do I... That's too good, Jesus. That sounds too good. What do I got to do to earn this? What must I do to be doing the works of God? Now, to help understand kind of what's happening here, because they're coming from a Jewish context, we got to talk about these things called the Ten Commandments. Y'all heard about the Ten Commandments before? What are the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not slap your mama. Thou shalt not say sheesh anymore. Let's just stop saying that word. It's so dumb. What's another one? Thou shalt come to New Song students every single week. Amen. Amen. I'm just kidding. Those aren't the, those aren't the Ten Commandments, but if, the, if I was writing them, that's what they would be, okay? So, the Ten Commandments, other known, otherwise known as the law, right? The Bible talks about the Ten Commandments as the law. You know the story. God frees the people of Egypt. They find themselves... At the bottom of Mount Sinai, Moses goes up to the top. They are in the perfect, they're in the presence of a perfect, amazing, powerful, holy God. And they have no idea how to be in relationship with this kind of God. And and really, they don't even want to be in relationship with him because they're worshiping anything and everything they can find, right? Kind of like you and me sometimes. Let's just be real. So, ooh, nobody, let me say, man, y'all are quiet tonight. Y'all need to wake up. That was funny, okay? That was funny. Anyway, goodness gracious. So, thank you. So, what does God do? God brings them. 
He brings them to the mountain. They have no idea what it looks like to be in relationship with a holy God. So God gives them the Ten Commandments. Now, even in this moment, their their view of God is too small. Because they get the Ten Commandments, and what they see these as is a checklist of things that they need to do in order to get to heaven. They see the Ten Commandments as, okay, I need to do all of these things perfectly, and if I don't, I'm not going to be in relationship with God, which that is only half true. Because you know what the Bible says the purpose of the Ten Commandments was supposed to be? It wasn't supposed to be a checklist for you. It's actually supposed to be a mirror. The, the Ten Commandments was never meant to be a checklist of things you need to check off in order to be in relationship with God. It was supposed to be a mirror. What is it supposed to reflect? Well, look at this. Romans 3.23 says this. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what do we fall short from? We all fall short of the Ten Commandments. We all fall short of the Ten Commandments. And look at this. James 2 says this. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point... So you could, do all, you could do everything perfectly, but you lied. Look at what it says about that. If you've done that, you're guilty of all of the law. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you've been a transgressor of the law, period. Somebody say period. Okay, so when I was thinking about this, when I was thinking about this and trying to figure out, okay, how do I want to explain the law to these people? I got this picture of a hallway. Think about a really long, really narrow hallway with me. And it's dark, and you're on one side, and God is on the other side. Okay? Perfect God. Now, here's, here's the thing about the Ten Commandments, which is this hallway. You can go hang out with God. All you got to do is just get to the other side. 100-yard hallway, so pretty long. It's pretty simple, except this is one of those hallways in the movies where there's laser beams all down the hallway. You ever seen those? And uh, Which, by the way, in the movies, when people just like ninja flip through all those and they don't touch a single one, like I'm calling, I'm calling sus on that. I'm like, every time I see that, I'm like, I'm like, there's no way that you made it to the other side without touching one. Am I real? Has anybody ever thought that before in a movie? Anyway, okay, so you've got this long hallway. You're on this side. God's on the other side, and all you got to do is get to the other side without touching a single laser. And it's not like if you touch a laser, like the alarms go off. If you touch a laser, you die. (laughs) You die. If you touch a laser, there's no do-overs. It's not like, oh, I, I just touched one, but I didn't touch all the other ones. It's like, no, you touch one laser, you're dead, okay? This is what the Ten Commandments is like. And scripture says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. And James tells us, if you break one commandment, one time, what does that mean? You deserve death. Now, now time out with me. If you're, if you're like me and the first time you heard this, or maybe you're like the reader, the, the hearers of James, and you're thinking to yourself, that's not fair. Like, dude, God, cut me some slack. That's not fair. Are you hearing me? Maybe you think that. Maybe you think that. Well, here's what God is trying to get you to see through the Ten Commandments. That's the point. 
The point is, you cannot work your way to the other side of the hallway. The point of the Ten Commandments is you literally, you cannot get to the other side of the hallway in your own strength. You literally can't do it. The Ten Commandments wasn't meant to be a checklist. It was meant to be a direction point to say, hey, you can't do this. You need a Savior. Are you hearing me? The Ten Commandments was not supposed to bring, was not supposed to, not, not, not supposed to keep them under a burden. It was supposed to point them towards Jesus and point them in a place where I need a Savior. I need to be believing for the Messiah to come. Its purpose was to bring them to look into the future and say, God, I literally can't do these. I literally can't do these. I have to have somebody come who can do these things perfectly for me. I have to have a Savior come and do this. But remember, when our, when our view of salvation is too small, we think we can actually get to the other side of the hallway ourselves. We think we can do it. And you know what's interesting is every man-made religion, every single religion, including Christianity, we've got these, these two issues that we have to deal with, sin and the afterlife, because we all die, right? We all have these two things that we've got to figure out. How are we going to deal with sin and how are we going to deal with the afterlife? Because what in the world does that look like? And uh, every man-made religion has something like the Ten Commandments, which can be like a checklist. If you just do these three things, or do these 20 things, or do these five pillars, then you will have earned salvation. You hearing me? Yeah. Now, one time, uh, there once was a pastor, and he was asked this question by somebody. They were doing like a Q&A. And this guy asked this pastor this. He said, both of my brothers are unsaved. One of them believes that there's no such thing as sin. Therefore, he thinks there's no need for a savior, which maybe you've felt that way before, or maybe you know somebody like that, which that makes sense. If there's no sin, then why would I need Jesus to die on a cross for me? Like, what's the point of Jesus if I don't believe in sin? Are you hearing me? So he asks this pastor, how do I explain sin? And without hesitation, the pastor looks at this guy and says, Steal his wallet. Do you get it? <laughs> Steal his wallet. Then he's going to believe that sin exists, right? Because we don't like getting sinned against, right? We don't like getting sinned against. But, and we can, we can all day long say, oh, yeah, sin's not a big deal, or sin doesn't even exist. You can just do whatever you want. But the second somebody sins against you, sin exists to you, right? Sin is a problem. And it's a problem that every single person is confronted with every single person has to face and this is what makes christian salvation different than any other religion look at this christian salvation doesn't say you need to try harder to get salvation it says you need a savior christian salvation doesn't say hey if you do the ten commandments perfectly you can have salvation it says no you can't even do them you're human you're sinful you need a savior and when our view of salvation is too small we don't think we need a savior. We think we can earn it on ourselves. The second thing that happens when, we, when, we're, when our view is too small is this. Write this down. When we think we can earn it, we bend the rules in order to get the same results. When we think we can earn salvation, we bend the rules in order to get the same results. And I just kind of talked about this, but have you ever noticed that when somebody else messes up, like we're all for justice? We're like, yeah, you deserve that, bro. You deserve that. Did you see what you did? But the second we mess up, 
We're like, dude, cut me some slack, man. I didn't mean to. Like, dude, I'm just human, right? We do this. We try to bend the rules. And you know who were pros at this in the Bible time, in biblical times? The Pharisees. The Pharisees were pros at following the commandments, but also bending the rules a little bit to make it look like they were following the commandments. In fact, there's a story in John 8 where, where the Pharisees bring this woman who's just been caught in adultery, and they just throw her in front of Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, this chick, she bad. She committed adultery. Can you believe that? She deserves to die, Jesus. I got my stone ready. And they do this. They bring Jesus to, they bring this woman to Jesus. And in this moment, they have just placed themselves on a pedestal. They actually believe that they are on a different level than this woman. And if we go back to the Sermon of the Mount, which is, what a, which is Jesus' most famous message, Jesus is confronting this very problem that the Pharisees had where they were bending the rules to look like they were holy. One of the things he said in the Sermon on the Mount is this. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. You remember this? And every Pharisee in the room in that moment was like, Jesus. <laughs> murder? Dude, that's basic commandment stuff. I would never murder somebody. And Jesus looks at them. And he's like, yo, you just interrupted me. Can I finish? He said, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you've hated somebody in your heart, you've already done it. You've already done the same thing as murdering somebody. So Jesus is like, no, you've been bending the rules, guys, because this is actually God's standard. Are you hearing me? Jesus told them, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. And the Pharisees are like, Jesus, come on. I would never commit adultery like this chick. I've been married 40 years happily. But Jesus says, hey, you're not listening to me. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, and he's I am, right? Yes. I tell you, if you just look at a woman lustfully once, you've already done it. You've already committed adultery in your heart. Are you hearing me, New Song students? Look at this. When our view of salvation is too small, we think we can earn it. So we think, I got to do the work. I got to show the work. And then when we get to the place where we realize, oh, I can't do this because I'm human, what do we have to do? We have to bend the rules to make it look like we can earn it, to make it look like we deserve the work. But here's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. I can never do enough work. Write this down, New Song students. You literally, when it comes to salvation, you can't do the work. You cannot do the work. So what's the answer? What do we do? Because now we've got two problems that we're dealing with. We've got a sin problem, and then we've got a problem that we can't even do anything about the sin problem that we're facing. So we're kind of in a little bit of a pickle, right? What do we do? What do we do? Well, I want to go back to Jesus' response to these people, because they're like, hey, what do we do for this eternal life? What do we do for this bread that you're talking about, Jesus? And look at his response. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. He's like, oh, you want to work for this? Here's the work you're going to do, that you believe. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. 
New Song students, the only work that you and I are called to is to believe. The only work that you and I are called to is to just keep believing, to believe that Jesus really is who he said he was. And check this out. I want to invite the band to come up. This is the beauty. This is the unfairness of the good news. You know the gospel's unfair? Listen to me. This is the unfairness of the gospel. You and I, we deserve death. We deserve it. We deserve separation with God, but Jesus. Jesus took the cross. And when he did, all of the sin that has been, all of the sin that will be, ever be committed, guess what God did to that? He poured out all of that sin. Not onto you, not onto me. He poured it out on Jesus. The Bible talks about how you and I deserved the wrath of God because of our sin. You know, who, you know who God poured his wrath out on? It wasn't you and it wasn't me. He poured all of it out on Jesus. And New Song students, the only work God requires of you is to believe. You can't earn it. You could never earn it. There's nothing you could do to earn this. All you can do is believe. And as we get ready to close, I want to look at a story where we see the, the picture of salvation, the unfairness of the gospel, we see it perfectly in this story. It's actually when Jesus is hanging on the cross. I love this story. This is the story that just birthed the whole message for me. Look at this. It says, two others, both criminals. So there were two guys that were crucified next to Jesus, and they both deserved it. Jesus didn't. These guys did. Look at this. They were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross and the criminals were also crucified on his right and on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even right here, man, we see the goodness of God. He's on the cross and he's forgiving people. Look at this. It says, and the soldiers gambled for his clothing, throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others. They said, let him save himself if he really is the Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him to drink sour wine. They called out to him, if you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him that said these words, this is the king of the Jews. So right here, we've got one of the criminals on one side. He says this to them. He starts to mock Jesus at this moment. He says, so you're the Messiah? Are you? Prove it. Show the work, earn it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. He said, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? Look at this. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, this, this is the criminal. He just defended Jesus. He looks to Jesus and he says this to him. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea whether there were Pharisees at the crucifixion or not, whether they were there to witness this or to be in on this conversation. But I just want you to imagine with me, just for the sake of this message, that there are some Pharisees. They're listening in on this conversation, right? And they would have heard that first criminal. And you know what? They would have been amening that first criminal because they had been saying the same thing. That's right. 
Jesus, you've been saying you're the son of God. You prove it. Prove it. You're so powerful. Take yourself off that cross. That's what the first criminal said. Then the other criminal, he starts to defend Jesus. And he says, dude, we're dying. We deserve this. This man doesn't. And, And in this moment, the criminal looks at Jesus and he says, man, will you remember me? He's basically saying, I believe you're the son of God. He's believing. He's doing the work that God's called him to. And in this moment, we see the unfairness of the gospel. We see the beauty of the gospel because look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, it's already been done, man. Today, you will see me in heaven. In other words, that man, in that moment, he got saved. He was born again. Now, if you were a Pharisee in the room, and if you were a Pharisee listening in on that conversation, you know what you would have said to that? But he didn't show his work. He deserves to be on that cross. He literally... What do you mean? I've been doing all the I've been doing the 10 commandments perfectly. What do you mean he gets to see you in heaven? What do you mean? And this is the unfairness of the gospel. Jesus doesn't require anything from you and me. He doesn't require you to show the work. You know what he requires of you? That you choose. He requires you to choose to say are you the son of God or are you not? This is the unfairness of the gospel. Jesus didn't deserve any of the things that were poured out on him. But God is so willing, so freely willing to pour it out onto you. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. I love this. David Guzik says this about this passage. He says this, Jesus answered the second criminal far beyond his expectations. The thief on the cross had some distant future in mind. Jesus told him today. The thief on the cross asked only to be remembered Jesus said, you will be with me. The thief on the cross only looked toward a kingdom. Jesus promised a paradise. New Song students, you know, Jesus gives you the same offer. He says, hey, today, today, you can make the decision not to follow a bunch of rules, but to be with me, to be in relationship with me. And you know, salvation is not just a get out of hell free card. It's a really good thing to look forward to in heaven, to be in heaven with Jesus. But there are some paradises that you are called to pour out onto this earth through your life. And you're invited to do that, but you can't do it on your own. All it takes is for you to be willing to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I I can't do it. I need you. So New Song students, I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and I was, I was praying for you guys, and I believe there's some people in here today, and you've been struggling with the idea of you don't know if you're saved or not. Like, that's something you worry about. You're like, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've really given my heart to Jesus. I wanna tell you, I've been in a similar boat. When I was a senior in high school, I had lived my life doing church. I had lived my life checking off all the boxes so I could look the Christian part. And I, I, I found myself at the end of myself my senior year when I realized, man, I don't actually know if I've ever just made the decision to give Jesus to my heart, to humble myself. And in that moment, I was in a prayer group on like a Tuesday morning before school at some random person's house. And I just said in the stairs, I said, Jesus, I'm done pretending. 
today, I give you my life. And I believe there's some people you need to make that today decision. And if you're, if you're that person and you just don't know, man, why not just make today the day? Like, why not just choose today? God, I give you my whole heart. So we're gonna pray a prayer. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. And as we do, I want you to mean it with all your heart. What you're doing is you're saying, God, I humble myself. I know that I need you. Would you fill my heart? Would you say this with me? Say, Jesus, I thank you for humbling yourself, coming to this earth, living a perfect life, dying the death I deserved for me. I recognize I can't do it. I need a savior. Would you come into my heart, fill me up with your life so I can be poured out like you. I receive you today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, New Song students. I wanna invite you guys to stand up with me. This year, we're doing something a little bit different. We're not just gonna wrap up and head to small groups. We're about to. But we're gonna, do, we're gonna do altar ministry from here on out all year long. And so I wanna invite my leaders to come up. We're gonna go into one more song. And if you have a prayer need of any kind, I want you to come up to this altar. We say this and I'm gonna say it again. If it matters to you, it matters to God. So if you're somebody, man, and you, if you made that prayer today and you really meant it, you need to come down and you need to tell a leader right now. But if not, if you just got something you wanna pray about, the altars are open. And we're gonna go into one more song. So would you lift your hands with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this year. I thank you so much that you poured everything out that Jesus, you were given onto us. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. We just receive it and we believe in it in the mighty name of Jesus.